evening and welcome to the EFL Review with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. In a weekend of sport which saw plenty of excitement in the World Athletics Championships and equally as importantly, an impressive 2-0 win for Yeovil against Tunbridge Angels this weekend, there was plenty of other fixtures which had plenty of excitement as well. Most notably, of course, in the EFL. We will be covering all the matches that took place this weekend in the Championship League 1 and League 2, like you always expect, with the same usual level of insight, analysis and interviews. So, without further ado, we jump straight into the Championship, and we had one game on Friday night, and that finished Hull City 1, Bristol City 1. Bristol City came from behind to earn a one-all draw with Hull at the MKM Stadium as Naki Wells levelled for the visitors in the second half. Ozan Tufan scored his fourth goal of the campaign to give the Tigers the lead on 17 minutes, racing unmarked through midfield to slot home Liam Delap's cross. Wells thought he had equalised on the stroke of half-time, but his effort was ruled out for offside after a delayed decision from the assistant referee. He finally found the net with a goal that stood on the hour mark, but neither side were able to find a second to take all three points. On to Saturday's games now, and we'll start with a Birmingham City 2, Plymouth Argyle 1. Birmingham City substitute and son of former Yeovil legend uh, Adam Stansfield, Jay Stansfield hit a stunning stoppage time winner to snatch all three points against Plymouth Argyle. Of course, we covered uh, in last week's episode that Jay had moved to Birmingham and the Devon side looked like they had earned a deserved draw when Ryan Hardy had equalised on the hour mark following Scott Hogan's eighth-minute opener. But for the second home game running, a Blues substitute came off the bench to get the winner. It was the second time in successive Saturdays that Plymouth had been unbeaten by a goal scored in injury time after losing to at home to Southampton. And, of course, to further break visiting hearts, this one was scored by a Devonian Stansfield, son of Exeter City and Yeovil Town legend Adam. Only signed on loan from Premier League side Fulham on Friday, Stansfield coolly flicked the ball before hammering home a right-footed volley into the roof of the net at the Tilton Road end from 18 yards. Cardiff City 2, Sheffield Wednesday 1. Cardiff City snatched a dramatic first win of the championship season as Ryan Wintle's penalty in the eighth minute of added time consigned Sheffield Wednesday to a fourth defeat from four. E.K. Gugbu fired Cardiff in front early into the second half with a fine touch and finish before Callum O'Dowda spurned a great chance to make it two. Wednesday responded strongly and scored a deserved equaliser as captain Barry Bannon curled in from 20 yards. But just as the Owls looked set to earn their first point of the campaign, former Cardiff midfielder Will Vokes conceded a penalty for handball, and Wintle punished the mistake by calmly converting his spot kick to prompt jubilant celebrations from the home crowd. It was a remarkable way for Errol Bullitt to earn his first league victory as Cardiff manager, and an equally cruel manner in which to deny Zisco Minoz his maiden point in charge of Wednesday. Coventry City nil, Sunderland nil. Coventry and Sunderland shared the points in a championship stalemate, although both sides might have snatched it late on. The two sides have struggled to replicate the form of last season, which took them both, of course, into the playoffs and could not be separated. The host dominated the opening 45, with Anthony Patterson twice saving from Matty Godden, while the influential Casey Palmer sent over a fine ball, which Ellis Sims, who scored seven goals and 17 for Sunderland before a lone recall by Everton last season, could not convert. 
Former Black Cats goalkeeper Ben Wilson foiled his old side when he was called upon to make a double save from Dan Neal and Dennis Chirkin. That chance seemed to rally the visitors, with Jack Clark, Trey Hume and Luke O'Neill all taking shots at the Coventry goal. Substitute Yasin Ayari and Haji Wright came close to beating Patterson late on, while skipper Carl McFadzian blocked Joby Bellingham's effort to ensure the game remained scoreless. The result leaves Coventry 11th in the Championship and also ended Gordon's three-game scoring start to the season. And now, for a slightly more entertaining goals-wise, Huddersfield Town nil, Norwich City 4. Jonathan Rowe grabbed his fifth goal in five games this season, as David Wagner's unbeaten Norwich side made it three wins from four Championship games with a resounding win over winless Huddersfield. Josh Sargent charged down keeper Lee Nichols rushed clearance to put the visitors ahead, but sustained what boss David Wagner fears is a serious ankle injury in the process. The Americans' withdrawal did not affect Norwich's attacking intent or rhythm, and Ashley Barnes made it 2-0 from the penalty spot inside 18 minutes after the impressive row was brought down. Rowe's close-range strike, his fourth league goal, was followed by Sargent's replacement Adam Ida, wrapping up the points in style for the free-scoring Canaries, who have now found the net 13 times in four league matches, in stark contrast to the David Wagner side that they had that finished last season. Let's have our first interview of tonight, and we will listen to Huddersfield Town boss Neil Warnock. Gaffer, uh, I thought 4-0 was slightly harsh on the lads today. It seemed to be that we didn't make them work too hard for their goals, but the general play, we were in the game. Yeah, I'm, you know, I mean, yeah, I've, I've raised my voice after the game, but only because the goals we gave them at crucial times. You know, we worked so hard, started really well, hit the post, and then to give them a goal like that, dear me. I mean, you can coach all week, can't you? So I'm disappointed with that. And then the penalties... Matty and him, they, kill like, they, they, they do catch each other, eh? but he makes a meal of it. You know, I'm, I hope Diara learns from that, really, because he, he stands up and never gets a free kick, D. So it's, it's disappointing. So we go in at half-time, and I think we can change and have a really good go again. And then we concede another one four minutes into the second half. These goals, your good team just lift you, it lifts you, and you can relax and play. And You know, that was, that was it then. Once the third goal went in, I knew that was it. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry. It was a chance today. We have just lost the field. It's his first performance in the Skybet Championship. Delano played his first home game, um, and I thought they were quite bright when they came on. Yeah, listen, they come on at a time, didn't they? I didn't want Josh or, or Sober getting sent off. They'd all be, both been booked, hadn't they? And there were some some really strange decisions today. So I didn't want anything uh, affecting next week's selection. The decisions seemed to affect the flow of the game towards the end of the first half. I don't want to talk too much about the referee, but just as we were you know, getting back into it and fighting, and at 2-0 the game was still there for us, just a couple of decisions took a wind out of ourselves a little bit. Well, you've got a hoggy book for something so trivial, where they both collide, they're both going for the ball. You get a hoggy book for that, and then you get Duffy. Just take Diara completely out of the game and never get a book in I, I don't... It, beggars belief to me. Gaffer, the last thing I'll ask you is, it's another tough game next week against West Brom. Uh, how do we turn this around? Is it just another tough week of training, make sure it doesn't happen again? No, I just, we just we can't do any more. Uh, I think the lads are doing all right in, in that respect. It's just giving goals away. Talk, go back, let's go back through the season. Plymouth Argyle, what kind of goal was it? You know, Le- uh, Leicester City, what kind of goal was it? 
you know, Middlesbrough, I thought we, we got, you know, we, we, we had a few opportunities there, etc., etc. And today I thought we played well to start with. And then we give goals like that. I mean, it, you can't win any game with goals like that. So it's my job to try and eliminate mistakes or eliminate the players. When you run through the names of the teams that we've played as well, the fact that we haven't been you know, completely overrun, I know the scoreline today isn't great by any means, but we've been in every single game and we've, we've almost had the same conversation after each and every single one of those. We but have, and that's all I can do. That's all I can do in my job. Make sure the lads go out and give absolutely everything and that we can get results in every game. And, and the disappointments that we've had, we've just got to get over it and stop giving goals away. You know, there's a simple remedy because you know if we don't give goals, we're going to create chances, and we, you know we the, the, can't fault the effort. The effort's there. You know, it's just that's what disappoints me really. And the fans, fans were good again today. Even at two 0 it was almost like they were gobsmacked. You know, because I couldn't believe it either. And and uh, but they, they stuck with us, and I'm pleased with that. Even more entertainment for you now. Ipswich Town three, Leeds United. Four. Leeds United came from behind to register their first championship win of the season and end Ipswich's perfect start in a seven-goal thriller at Portman Road. The Tractor Boys took a seventh-minute lead through Joe Roden's own goal, but three goals in the space of nine minutes from Leeds turned the game on its head. Forward Jorginho Rutter scored his first goal for the Whites to equalise, and then Wilfred Nonto, back in the side after apologising for refusing to play earlier in the season, poked home to put the visitors ahead in the 14th minute. Debutant signing from Swansea, Joel Peroy, soon extended the lead when the Dutch striker was on hand to convert after Ipswich goalkeeper Vaclav Kladke failed to deal with a low shot from Luis Sinistera. A mix-up at the back allowed Nathan Broadhead to pull one back and make it 3-2 deep into first-half stoppage time and keep Ipswich in the contest. But Sinistera seemed to have made the game safe with 15 minutes remaining when the Colombian winger swept home from inside the box. There was still time for Ipswich to score again in injury time through Connor Chaplin, but Leeds held on to register their first win in 13 league outings. Daniel Fark had enjoyed a difficult start to life in the Leeds dugout following his appointment in July and could have been expecting another long afternoon when centre-back Joe Roden slid in and diverted a low Caden Jackson cross in past Ilian Melier. But Leeds were soon level, of course, when Gianni Rutter, a £36 million signing from Hoffenheim in January, showed great strength to turn on the edge of the box and then advance into the area before sending his finish across Haladki into the bottom left-hand corner. Then, Nonto, of course reintroduced into the side after sitting out three games and handing in a transfer request, ghosted in at the far post to turn home Sam Byron's deep cross from the left. Baroy made it a perfect few minutes for the visitors when he tapped in from six yards out, after Hladke had spilled Sinistera's shot, opening his Elites account following his switch from Swansea last Thursday. Byron was forced off through injury, and a weak back pass from his replacement, Cody Drummer, helped give Ipswich a route back into the game, as Jackson capitalised on the loose ball before pulling back to Broadhead to sweep in via a deflection. Sinistera, back in the side following injury, showed his class with a finish across the keeper from a narrow angle to make it 4-2, and Chaplin's low strike into the bottom right-hand corner in the 7th of ad minutes came too late for Ipswich. Promoted Ipswich had won their first three games on their return to the Championship for the first time since the 2018-19 season, and Kieran McKennan's side suffered their first league defeat in 23 league outings, a run stretching back to 2-1 reverse at Oxford in January. Not too bad, of course, for the former Norwich boss, 
Daniel Fark. But instead of listening to him this week, we are going to listen to Kieran McKenna, boss of Ipswich Town. Kieran, thank you for talking to us on Town TV. A hectic game at times out there. What did you make of it? Yeah, it was um, it was a great game. I would have thought it could have went either way. You know, we we certainly could have had more goals than what we got. Um, look, I thought we were the better team in ninety percent of the game and, and most departments of the game. Um, so there was a lot of positives to take, a lot of things we can build on. Um, we know that the goals we conceded in the first half were, were poor goals from our point of view and we can do better. Um, but that's part of the adjustment to, to the level and, and we just need to keep working and, and trust what we're doing. And I think there's there's so many things in that game that should give the players the confidence to you know, to trust in themselves and, and to believe in the work they're doing because there was there was so many good things. Um, yeah, 3-2, I fancied this. I thought the fourth goal was a, was a clear foul, to be honest, on Sammy and that. You know, didn't quite kill the game because we still didn't give up, but it, it made it more difficult. So, yeah, um, it was a hell of a game. Of course, we wanted it to go our way, um, and I think on a balance of play, it could have done. Um, but you know, we'll uh, we'll learn we'll learn a lot from it, and we'll um, we'll get ready to go again next week. Can you talk us through the the opening twenty minutes from your perspective? Because obviously, a lot went on in that time. Yeah, I've not got the timings of the goals. Um, I thought it was a really really intense start to the game. Um, I think we were the better team throughout the whole first half, really. But it felt like the first three or four times they got into our final third, they scored three goals, and some of that, of course, good. Like the first goals, a great goal from you know a, a player who you know they paid you know had a lot of money for to play at a different league than this. But we can defend it better, and, and we'll learn from that. And that's part of just adjusting to it's the best forwards that you know the players have ever faced. So. Um, yeah, uh, after such a good start, of course, conceding the first goal, you know, killed the momentum a little bit, and then they scored two quick fire goals, which we need to do better on. But you know, that has to be full credit to the players because they never dropped their heads, kept playing, kept going right to the the last whistle of the first half. Deservedly got a goal back that put a more accurate shine, but it still didn't reflect the first half, and um, did the same in the second half. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a, a a hell of a game really, and. Um, Look, we can't. We never promised, and we can't promise we're going to win every week. That's for sure. That's not football, and certainly not in in the situation we're in. Um, but you know, big effort, big intent, big bravery, lots of positives, things to learn from, and um, we we want to win the game. But um, I think there's you know a lot of good things to take. You must be very proud of that intent and that bravery, because you've always said that you want your players to keep playing the way that you want them to play, and they did exactly that. Yeah, I think so. Look, I've said to the boys in the dressing room, I'm not going to over-egg that bit about the pride because I think that's, you know, um, we want to be a big club in this division. It's going to take time, but we want to be a big club in this division again and um, working really, really hard and being brave are, you know, going to be prerequisites and we want that to be the, the new norm. Now, competing toe-to-toe with that Leeds team is hasn't been the norm for this club for, I'm not just talking about since it's been in, in League One, but for a while to be honest so to go out there and play like that and compete toe to toe we want that to be the new norm that we build on now that's even that's not going to be easy that's going to take a, a lot of effort and a lot of work but that's um that's the the journey that we're going through and um we'll stick with that and uh, we'll again we'll take the positives we'll look at the things we can do better and um we'll try and uh, you know pick up on them things next week obviously the first defeat in a very long time um it's about how you react and just keep going from that now isn't it of course it is. it's going to happen, uh, we're going to lose games um, and yeah, I, I, look, if, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think, that, I don't expect that I'm going to have to pick the boys up off the floor on that one and, and certainly 
it shouldn't be the same for the supporters. It was it was nice to see the boys getting the reception they deserved at the end. And um, yeah, I think everyone knows we have got a busy week now. Next week we got the cup. We got last home game for international. It's going to be another really difficult game. That's the challenge now is that people will see that you know how we played today and think Cardiff will be easy next week. It's not going to be. There's going to be no game that's any less than very difficult for us in this league this year. So. Um, I don't think there's going to be any problem with the players. I think, if anything, today should enhance their confidence in a lot of ways from how, you know, as a team we competed on an individual level, how so many of them competed. Um, so I don't think confidence will be an issue for that one. It's just about improving the, the details, improving the moments and, um, you know, getting ready for another tough game next week. Thank you, Gareth. Millwall 1, Stoke City 0. Millwall had to cling on to an end a run of three straight home defeats to secure a morale-boosting 1-0 win against Stoke. Gary Rowett's Lions got back to winning ways against his old club after three straight lead defeats in all competitions, thanks to Kevin Nisbet's low finish shortly before half-time. Stoke rang the changes at the break but spurned a host of chances to equalise, with top scorer Andre Vigidal denied by a fine Matthias Sarkic save and Tyrese Campbell hitting the woodwork deep into stoppage time. The Potters are now winless in their last six league visits to Millwall, who have now won five of their last six meetings. Preston North End 2, Swansea City... One. Preston's promising start to the season continued as they came from behind to beat winless Swansea. On loan, Newcastle United wing-back Harrison Ashby's classy, classy first-half finish had put Swansea on course for a first championship victory under Michael Duff. But Andre Hughes's precise header brought Preston level midway through the second half before Duane Holmes steered in the winner. It was another disappointment for Swansea to end the week in which they lost Joel Perroy, although Duff may feel his side deserved something from what was a tight contest. Defeat means the Welsh club have taken only two points from their first four league games of the new campaign, with their only success in the 23-24 campaign coming in the Carabao Cup. The mood is much high, brighter for Preston, whose gritty fight back means they have reached ten points after four league fixtures for the first time. In 15 years. Ryan Lowe's men are fifth in the early season table, while Swansea are 20th. Let's have another interview now, and we will listen to Swansea City manager Michael Duff. Uh, Michael, there must be quite a lot of frustration there because for about an hour of that game, you seemed to be in control and you know it was a good, improved away performance as you'd asked for. Did everything we asked them to do for, for an hour, thought we were in total control of the game. A little bit of the final ball again could be, could be better. Um, but then they went 4-4-2, they stuck it down our throat and we had a, a poor 20 minutes. So it's frustrating because there's been a lot of good work done on the training ground. I think you see that in the first half um, particularly. But we go 1-0 up and we stop doing the things that get us in the lead. So it's a mentality that it's not just going to happen. You have to go and win both halves. You have to go and get the second goal. You have to stay on the front foot. That's the mentality we need to shift, that people aren't just going to come along and give us a win. So from compared to the last away performance, it was better. Yeah with and without the ball, but ultimately the um, the key moments, we've we've come on the wrong side of again. Yeah. That ability to sort of be relentless, as you touched on there, Michael, I guess, to, to keep kicking on when, you, when you're going well, when you're 1-0 you up. Well, we said to him at half-time, we can, you can make this, this game as easy, as difficult as you want. You can tweak a couple of things that we did in the first half and make it e- as easy as it can, or we can make it difficult, come off script, and that's exactly what happened. So it's getting, it's shifting the mentality. Shifting the talent within the football club, that you know you have to you have to see that game out by hook or by crook. You know, two crosses in the box again. So 
things that we have been working on. But set plays were better again. But it's um, yeah, it's a, a real sense of frustration because I thought it was it was it was an okay performance. The goal was particularly good, Michael. A really good, incisive, sweeping move down the left, and a good finish from Harrison at the far post. Yeah, well, again, we we said we worked on things. We thought we could get wing backs in behind their wing backs, and end up getting one in behind the other. Um, and and it was a good goal. We had another good, not a chance because, but a real. Well, we cut them open with Jay Fulton. Um, but that's what I'm yeah. talking about. Just that final pass that that we that we probably need at the minute because we probably needed the second goal to. But I think. The frustration is if you go and get the second goal, I think it, it's a comfortable, it could be three or four, but it isn't. We're here after a defeat again, so it's back to work and crack on. Yeah, back to work. Bournemouth on home soil on Tuesday, Premier League side in the cup, you know, obviously a really good challenge. Yeah, it'll be a tough game. You look at the Premier League now, the golf, the golf's got bigger and bigger. Um, you look at you look at Burnley get 100 and odd points in this league last year in the, in the top three for the favourites for relegation so the, the levels that, that that league has gone to the, the, it's gone back to the old days where the gulfs between leagues have become big again due to finances but it's an opportunity for some um, it's a challenge and can we improve on certain things yeah I know you'll have to assess the fitness of the squad after today but do you think you might rotate make changes give others a bit of an opportunity or how do you see it probably be similar to the last time we'll, we'll, we won't make wholesale changes we won't make um, you know I can't I don't envision us making 11 changes but there will be two or three four depending on uh, injuries and depend on what we want to look at. Rotherham United 1, Leicester City 2. Casey McAteer curled home a superb late winner as Leicester beat Rotherham to continue their 100% start to the championship season and move two points clear at the top of the table. The academy product put the Foxes ahead, heading in past keeper Victor Johansson at the back post after a fine run, turn and cross from Kelechi Iheanacho. A fired-up Rotherham, who had an early Jordan Hugill header ruled out for a foul, swiftly drew level after the interval when Fred Onyadinma headed home. But McAteer showed exquisite touch and composure to cut inside and earn victory with six minutes remaining. Southampton 2, Queen's Park Rangers 1. Southampton maintained their unbeaten start to the championship season as they held off battling QPR at St Mary's. Sam Adozi's first goal for the club puts the Saints ahead, but Jack Holback thumped the visitors' level within two minutes. It needed Adam Armstrong's fine volley on the spin, his fourth goal in his many league games, to decide the points in the final half an hour, as Saints won at home for the first time since March. Southampton, who are without Nathan Teller and Shea Adams, both linked with transfers away from the club, have ten points from four games, while Rangers have lost three of their opening four. West Bromwich Albion 4, Middlesbrough 2. Middlesbrough's winless start to the championship campaign continued as last season's playoff semi-finalists were beaten by West Brom. The Baggies took the lead midway through the first half when Cedric Kipri chested down and powered in a rising half volley. John Swift then doubled the lead six minutes later with his second goal in successive home games, a powerful shot into the top corner after driving forward from midfield. Emmanuel Latte Lath headed in Sammy Silvera's cross to immediately pull one back with his first goal for Borough. But Brandon Thomas Asante's restored Albion's two-goal lead early in the second half after latching on to a back pass to round goalkeeper Seni Dieng before sliding the ball in. Thomas Asante netted for the third successive game when he capitalised on an error by Lucas Engel. 
Middlesbrough then looked done when they had Tommy Smith sent off in the 51st minute for a second bookable offence, having been booked for a foul on Jed Wallace in the first half. He received his marching orders for a tugback on the lively Matt Phillips. Yet they had still had hope of a point when Borough substitute Isaiah Jones rattled the inside of the post before a cross hit the arm of Darnell Forlong to allow Marcus Fors to pull one back from the penalty spot with five minutes left. But Alex Mowat teed up fellow substitute Jerry Saramiento to secure all three points for Carlos Corberon's men when the Ecuadorian international curled into the far corner in the first minute of added time. It is now nine games without a win for Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough, including their two legs against Coventry in the playoffs in May. The T-siders look a shadow of the side that finished fourth last season, with Chuba Akpom, the second-tier's top scorer last season with 28 goals, having already been sold to Dutch Giants Ajax earlier this month. West Brom extended their unbeaten run to three championship games following their opening day defeat at Blackburn. They have now won 12 of their 17 league games at the Hawthorns since Corbron was appointed as boss last October. And the final championship game of tonight, for, uh, which took place on Sunday. Watford nil, Blackburn Rovers won. Blackburn rode their lug on the way to snatching a narrow win over a dominant Watford side. About a moment of magic from Rovers uh, player and former Glover Ryan Hedges on the counter-attack 18 minutes from time decided a game which saw the Hornets on top for long spells. Machunius Martins twice hit the woodwork for the hosts and Rovers keeper Ainsley Pierce produced a string of saves to ensure Blackburn's first clean sheet in 13 away games and a first win at Vicarage Road in 22 years. All four of Watford's league goals this season came in the opening 43 minutes of their opening day win over QPR in what might be one of my favourite stats at the start of this season. Since that emphatic victory on the 5th of August, the Hornets have drawn with Plymouth and lost to Stoke and Blackburn without finding the net. So, let's have a quick look at the league table. All teams in the Championship have played four games. Only one of them has picked up four wins from four, and that is a recently relegated Leicester City, with an impressive goal difference of four after four games. There are four additional teams who are technically still unbeaten, and they are Norwich City in second, Birmingham City third, Southampton in fourth, and Preston in fifth. Ipswich Town round out the playoff spots with nine points from four uh, four games and of course would have made it 12 if they'd not thrown it away against Leeds 4-3 on Saturday. Just outside of the playoffs with seven points apiece sit West Brom, Hull and Blackburn. At the wrong end of the table, Sheffield Wednesday are yet to pick up a single point in the championship this season with a nice round zero. And three teams are on one point. They are Huddersfield Town, Middlesbrough and Rotherham United. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one -one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation. At AJ Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. 
We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935-479913. So, on to League One, and we'll start with Bristol Rovers 1, Wickham Wanderers 2. Former Bristol City defender Joe Lowe played the role of local villain to perfection to put Wickham on course for a 2-1 victory over lacklustre Bristol Rovers at the Memorial Stadium. The 21-year-old centre-back put the chairboys ahead after 19 minutes when he rose unchallenged to powerfully nod in Luke Leahy's free kick, only to be booked for goading the home fans who greeted his celebrations with disdain. Lowe, whose father Josh started his career at Bristol Rovers, then excelled on the defensive front of a straight Joey Barton side who lacked direction, but almost equalised after 43 minutes when striker Giovanni Brown struck a post from close range. In contrast, Wickham attacked with purpose and Leahy twice went close to doubling the lead from long range against his old club, but the Rovers keeper Matt Cox pulled off excellent saves to deny the midfield playmaker. The away side suffered a setback when Dale Taylor was carried off on a stretcher following a heavy challenge. But Matt Bloomfield's side um, stood firm and went further ahead thanks to substitute Gareth McCleary's clearer finish after 74 minutes. Chelsea Loney Harvey Vale, 19, gave Bristol Rovers hope with a death finish in the 84th minute shortly after appearing on as a substitute. But Lowe led the Wickham resistance and his desperate stoppage time block to divert Tristan Kramer's shot wide ensured a victorious return to Bristol. Burton Albion won, Bolton Wanderers won, Burton and Bolton had to settle for a point apiece as goals from Mark Helm and Dion Charles cancelled each other out in a draw at the Pirelli. Helm put Burton ahead soon after half-time, before Bolton, looking to get back to winning ways after their 4-0 home defeat to Wigan last time out, equalised through Charles just before the hour. Cheltenham Town nil, Northampton Town won. Former Glover Sam Hoskins struck a late winner to earn promoted Northampton a victory at struggling Cheltenham. The only goal of a largely uninspiring game arrived in the 88th minute after a ball over the top of the home defence from Sam Shering left Hoskins with only Luke Southwood to beat and he finished confidently for his third of the season. Exeter City 2, Reading 1. Reese Cole's stunning stoppage time winner earned Exeter City a superb win over Reading at St James's Park. Exeter dominated the first half with Dion Rankin firing into the side netting early on and Tom Carroll shooting narrowly wide. Zach Jules, Dimitri Mitchell and Carroll all went close for sprightly Exeter who almost led when Jack Aitchinson struck the post after a good work by debutant Ilmari Niskazen before Ryan Trevitt was denied by a superb save by David Button. The goal Exeter deserved duly arrived from captain Will Ameson, who deftly headed Carroll's cross into the net after 34 minutes. Reading grabbed an equaliser against the run of play deep into first half stoppage time, when Harvey Nibs took advantage of Pierre Sweeney's unfortunate slip to level things up. The Royals were much improved after the break and almost went in front when Femi Azeri struck the post and then missed a great chance moments later by dragging his shot wide off the post. Both sides pushed for a winner and it came in the 93rd minute, as substitute Cole lashed the ball in from 20 yards from Sam Nombi's knockdown. 
So we'll have our first player interview of tonight. I think it's only appropriate that we get it from the uh, winning goal scorer, Reese Cole. Reese, not a bad way to win a game there. Talk us through that strike. Yeah, to be fair, the first one's dropped a couple of minutes before and Noms just told me, he said, just hit it. If it drops you again, hit it. And it dropped to me and I thought, just have a go. And not a bad strike, I suppose. There's some technique you've got as well. I yeah. Mean, is that something that you kind of base your game upon? Gary said, and sees it every day in training, you know, you're smashing the ball in from all angles. Yeah, well, I tried to. I tried to get as many goals as possible. Um, and luckily when it felt to me, it's, I, felt com I feel comfortable in those positions to strike the ball. And, and luckily it was a good strike. Another big three points as well, you know, beating a team that's come down from the championship. Are these kind of games you want to make a marker as a team against? Yeah, definitely. I think like we looked at when we played against Blackpool as well, I didn't think we look out out of place at all when we're playing against the championship teams that have come down. Same again today, it probably could have been 3-0 before half-time. Um, so yeah, no, I think we're dealing with, with, with the games very well. Obviously, they're thick and fast. Um, so yeah, we've just got to keep on getting those three points and get up the table. I'm sure you don't look at the table. <laughs> I'm sure you don't look at the table. Thanks, Cheggers. I'm sure you don't look at the table, but you know, in the top three at the moment, that's after five games, that's not a bad market to set. Yeah, no, I think it's obviously it's a positive, but it's a, it's a very, very long season. We're only, like you said, five games in. So we just got to keep our heads down. Table doesn't really mean anything at the moment. Obviously, it's nice to have points on the board, but we just got to keep pushing and pushing and keep picking up the points like we are. And you came on, played right wing back for a bit um, before moving into your more favourite position. I mean, I think most of the players were in various positions today. Is that kind of ability to play in various positions really important for this team? Yeah, I think the, st the style of play that we have obviously suits everyone, otherwise they wouldn't be at the football club. Um, but I think once you can play the style of play that the gaffer's trying to play, it sort of suits all positions. So for me, going into right wing back is no different to me playing deeper in midfield or higher in midfield. So I'm enjoying playing everywhere, to be honest. Those scenes at the end were pretty special as well in front of the sold out from James Park. Yeah, brilliant. Obviously, I see on Twitter before the game, it's going to be a sellout. So obviously, it gets you up for the game and things like that. And, and obviously, to get my first goal for Exeter at SJP is brilliant. Momentum is a huge thing in football, isn't it? We go yeah. into Tuesday's Cup game full of confidence. Definitely. Obviously, we've, we've done really well in these five or six games that we've played at the start of the season. So we've just got to keep on that form. doesn't matter whether it's league or cup. We've just got to go and get the win. Face the Stevenage side who've found life in League One quite, quite. Well, they adapted quite well to life in League One. So again, it's going to be another tough game, isn't it? Yeah, every game, every game's going to be a tough game. Obviously, you see it in the league, everyone's beating everyone. Obviously, Stevenage have had a good start, so hopefully we can uh, set them down a little bit. Definitely. And uh, competi again, competition for places is big for Tuesday, isn't it? I guess every, yourself are pushing to start, and there's the boys in there who haven't played today that are going to want to play on Tuesday. Yeah, no, definitely. There's always going to be competitions for places. We've got so so many talent, talented players in the squad, so it's, it's training's a brilliant environment to be in. Everyone's working hard every day. It's not, you can see with the gaffer as well, he makes changes, so you've got to be ready. And he's helped me out today, isn't it? So it's all good. I mean, attendances seem to, you know, be a bit lower for cup games, but I guess your call to the fans would be, you know, to just come down and keep backing us because it's, you know, we could be, on for something pretty special this season. Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, it's cliche to say that your fans are your 12th man, but they are when we're at home. Obviously, the big bank, you can hear it all throughout the game and they, they get us through. And I think today they've, they've definitely got us through the game. 
Fleetwood Town nil, Shrewsbury Town one. Daniel Udo got the only goal as nine-man Fleetwood's dismal start to the season continued with a home defeat by Shrewsbury. The hosts did start well and their best opportunity came when the ball reached Junior Quitana, who, at whose and his acrobatic kick hit the post before being cleared off the line. But they came to rue their missed chances when Shrewsbury took the lead with their first shot on 41 minutes. A mistake from Scott Robertson put Udo one-on-one with homekeeper Jay Lynch and he easily scored. Two minutes later, Fleetwood were reduced to 10 men when Lynch was shown a straight red card for bringing down Ryan Bowman. After the break, Salop made the most of the extra man with Carl Winchester driving into the box and from out wide to force a save from substitute goalkeeper Stephen McMullen. However, Fleetwood responded when Jack Marriott poked a cross into the back of the net, but the flag was up for offside. The Cod Army continued to push, but then they lost Josh Earl to a second red card for a foul on Elliot Bennett, five minutes into stoppage time. Late Orient 2, Cambridge United nil. Late Orient recorded their first win of the season as they beat previous league leaders Cambridge. The visitors had no answer to a determined home side who scored through Shakai Ford after 29 minutes and Theo Archibald in the 57th. It was a memorable first league strike for striker Ford, signed on a season-long loan from Watford, and a player I knew very well as he spent last season at York. Lincoln City 3, Blackpool nil. Two penalties and a reflected strike earned Lincoln a commanding win over 10-man Blackpool. Daniel Mandrew opened the scoring when the, uh, from the spot inside seven minutes after Ben House was brought down in the area. Keeper Lucas Jensen saved from Seasiders debutant Jordan Rhodes when he was through one-on-one and CJ Hamilton could only volley over from the goal gaping. Five minutes before the break, Ethan Erehan doubled his side's advantage. He travelled to the edge of the visitor's box and saw his shot flick off Marvin Ekpapetia's legs before nestling into the far corner. Oliver Norburn was given his marching orders with 17 minutes to play after fouling House in front of an open goal. Substitute Teddy Bishop slammed home the resulting penalty to seal the points and extend the Imps' unbeaten run to four, with Blackpool winless in the league since the opening day. Oxford United 2, Charlton 1. Tyler Goodrum struck early and late to earn Oxford victory over Charlton and their fourth straight win. The youngster, who only turned 20 this month, had also scored in the U's last outing, a 3-1 triumph at Barnsley. In the 10th minute, he raced through the middle and hammered an unstoppable 20-yard drive past goalkeeper Harry Eistert to fire home inside to fire the home side in front. The Addicts rallied well, however, to boss large spells of the second half. Alfie May equalised in the 63rd minute, lashing home his second goal of the season with a fierce slow shot, following good work from substitute Chem Campbell and hesitation in the home defence. Substitute Stan Mills set up Oxford's winner five minutes from time, squeezing Ruben Rodriguez's right wing cross through to Goodrum, who knocked the ball past Isis with panache. Peterborough United 2, Derby County 4. Hattrick hero Martin Waghorn starred in a stunning Derby comeback as they roared to a 4-2 win at Peterborough. The Rams found themselves trailing in the 23rd minute after a posh opener from a move started and finished by none other than Johnson Clark Harris. But it was one-way traffic from then on, as the visitors went on to an almighty attacking raid, scoring four times in 16 minutes against a posh side who had only previously conceded twice all the season. 
Their charge was spearheaded by veteran forward Waghorn, who levelled with a coolly taken volley from a Liam Thompson cross in the 29th minute, before Earing Cashing completed the turnaround. With a 37th minute header from the ex-posh man Nathaniel Mendes Lang's delivery. Waghorn, who returned to Derby for a second spell in the summer, then poked in a Mendes Lang shot in the 40th minute to extend the advantage. And the 33-year-old completed a fifth career hat-trick with his fifth goal of the current season, a classy curler on the stroke of half-time. A miserable afternoon for posh boss Darren Ferguson was compounded when he was sent off by referee Lewis Smith with 20 minutes to go. Kwame Poku bagged a 90th-minute consolation for the hosts. Port Vale 1, Carlisle United 0. James Wilson's second-half penalty handed improving Port Vale a hard-earned victory against Carlisle. Andy Crosby's side have now won three and drawn one since their opening day hammering at Barnsley. Carlisle, meanwhile, remained winless this term after promotion via the playoffs in May. Wigan Athletic 0, Barnsley 2. Barnsley picked up a first victory since the opening day of the season, with a clinical performance away at Wigan. After a competitive start, the hosts were dealt a huge blow when Charlie Hughes was, sent, was shown red sorry, on 21 minutes. The 19-year-old was adjudged to have fouled Barnsley's frontman Devante Cole, who was bearing down on goal. It did not take long for the visitors to take advantage, with Cole latching onto Barry Cotter's cross from the right to tuck home on 26 minutes. Wigan had strong shouts for a penalty four minutes after the restart when Stephen Humphreys was brought down in the area. But Barnsley should have doubled their lead 20 minutes from time from new signing John McAtee, missing an open goal after a mistake from keeper Sam Tickle, before striking the post soon after. It took a huge save from Liam Roberts to deny Callum Lang an equaliser 11 minutes from the end, but McAtee made the resolve safe when tucking home in added time. And finally, Stevenage nil. Portsmouth, nil. Stevenage and Portsmouth both had a player sent off during an entertaining draw at the Lamex. Pompey's Joe Rafferty and Borough's Jake Forster-Kasky were shown red by referee Simon Mather when a 50-50 challenge turned into a skirmish on the floor during the second half of the League One clash. Jamie Reid's header from Stevenage forced an outstanding save from Will Norris in what was probably the only notable point in the game that didn't evolve in a small fight on the floor. Now, usually we wouldn't condone this sort of thing on the EFL review, but when you've got a manager in the form of Steve Evans at Stevenage, who's always good for an opinion, we've got to hear what he thought on the matter. Oh, Steve Evans, where do we start? Feisty encounter? Yeah, very. I mean, not an inch given um, by either side. And, and, and let's break it down. They're a tremendous side, aren't they? Huge budget, huge expectation, but they want to set the summer that they have to win promotion. So John's under that um, pressure to to deliver a team that, that wins promotion. We'd have to we've had to endure one or two unsavoury words at the end, but that's normal. And somebody telling Nathan Thompson must get paid a fortune to play here. The Pompey lad who's concerned, who I won't name, is is better than that. He's a really good player. He doesn't need to say things like that. So anyway, the no no quarter giving either side. They had some chances. I think we had the better chances, but we never took them. I think we had a lot of pressure in the second half and never really took advantage of when we get any good areas. So, um, but consider we're here as walking wounded and probably three or four of those lads on the bench today would have been hesitant to put them on the pitch. Um, and the big boost, of course, it was it was brilliant to see Elliot Liss back in maybe half an hour or so. Two very different halves, weren't they? 
you're under the cosh a little bit in that first half, but as you say, created the better chances. Second half, much more even. Well, we're in a half time, and I said we can either do something about this or do nothing about it. We changed our shape completely, and it caught them, didn't it? Because mm. we had total dominance for a long period in the second half, but they were much better than us in the first half, so we had to react. And um, and then obviously the, the the double red card. I've not got a clue what happened. I just heard the fourth official say it's two reds, two reds down the mic. I'll look back at that. Um, and if there's any action to be taken, it'll be taken. But that changed our momentum a little bit because we were so far on top at that stage. And uh, that probably helped to pump lads a little bit better than us. So you didn't get a view of the red? No, listen, I've just seen it as I come in together. I've seen it both lads. The ball's broke. I'm looking around elsewhere, making your shape at the back is right. And then there's a little collision of legs. I 100% don't see it. You know I me, mean? if I see it in my players out of order, um, then, I, then I would say it. If, he, if he's out of order, when I look at the video, I'm an experienced manager. It'd be fine, simple. One of those games where you're looking all over the pitch for something happening, and, and on the benches as well, there's a fair bit between you. Yeah, listen, I think it's um, they're under huge pressure, aren't they? We're under our own pressures to win some football matches. They're under, they just have to be winning football matches. Portsmouth Football Club is coming. Look at the support they bring. Look at the whole press coverage that they, they, they demand, don't they? Because they're such a great football club. And I think John's a good young manager, but he'll learn along the way, won't he? There'll be many forecasts in the Portsmouth victory today. You must be proud of your team the way they st stood out well it'd be much better for the win today I think we'd certainly with Carl's header um, there's certainly a penalty kick in there when Carl gets mauled to the floor but that seems to be a lot of weeks now but because Carl's a big aggressive centre back he doesn't appear to be getting basically where there's a fill in the opposition penalty area which is mm. which is a penalty but the goalkeeper reacted really well from the, from the header that Carl does got on target almost in under time um, so we'll take the point we'll, we'll regroup and we'll go again we'll you know, we'll keep our own thoughts about some of the words that was used at the end to ourselves and, and move on and, and prepare for a, a journey down to Exeter on Tuesday. Luxury of seven subs tonight as well. Yeah, I just said, you know, people at Dan Sweeney not have trained twice, Harry Anderson the same. But, you know, I asked both boys if, if it was complete opposite, really. What I asked Dan Sweeney to do is he's trained and he's looked really bright. But I said to him, if if we need to hang on with 10 minutes to go, would, would you come on for us? Absolutely. He's at the heart of the size of a line. And Harry the same, it was the opposite. If we're, if we're looking for a goal later on, would you go on the pitch for us? They've trained two training sessions. Uh, young March, you're the same. He's, he's trained once in over was it two weeks now and he had an injection and a lot of problem he's had, trained yesterday and come on and tried his best. So, we're, you know, we're in a, we're in a good place. Um, obviously, we're limited again in numbers. We, some of the substitutes have been knocks and uh, the boys that come off for that. And, um, and obviously, we, we cast Egan out with the, with the red. But you'll have Nathan Thompson back. Yeah, Nathan comes back. We're, you know, we're we're trying really hard to get the boys back who've been injured. You can see the progress they're making now when they're all listed on the bench. You know, Elliot was listed last week, but was he quite ready to come on? But he was coming on at some stage today. If not starting, if if we had had a few more sessions, then he would have started the game because you told within 30 seconds on the pitch he was a real threat to them. So and they were worried about him and they're shouting off how do they deal with it? But we learned lots from today. I just said to my players, we'll. We'll learn if you can get any closer to the match referee, the Marlon Park, and control the game with your tongue. That's really clever, isn't it? And he's, he's such a gifted footballer, such a gifted footballer. And the boy Morel wants to stop talking in the tunnels and he tells to other to players, not to me, and they concentrate on his football because he, again, is, is a wonderful football. Portsmouth are lucky to have those two. 
So let's just take a very quick look at the League One table. Well, no team have won all five games of their start of the season, but Oxford United have picked up 12 wins out of a possible 15 and sit top of the tree. In second place, there we have, well in fact we've got all the way down to sixth, five teams on 10 points. They are Exeter City, Bolton Wanderers, Lincoln City, Stevenage and Port Vale. Five further teams on nine points just outside the playoffs. They are Portsmouth, Derby, Cambridge, who started the, the day in first, Peterborough and Shrewsbury. At the wrong end of the table, two teams with only one point from the start of this season. They are Cheltenham Town and Fleetwood Town, who I think both of them will severe, uh, struggle severely throughout this season. And three teams on two points. They are Burton Albion, Carlisle United and Wigan Athletic. So let's move on to League Two. And we've got one very important interview at the end. So we're going to fire through the rest of these games nice and fast. That starts with AFC Wimbledon 1, Forest Green Rovers 1. Troy Deeney scored his first Forest Green goal to secure a draw at AFC Wimbledon. The former Premier League striker lobbed the ball over goalkeeper Alex Bass with 15 minutes to go, cancelling out James Ball's first half strike. Former Glover James Tilly missed the golden opportunity to put AFC Wimbledon ahead after 15 minutes with a close-range header. Barrow won, Wrexham won. Barrow came from a goal down to earn a point at home to Wrexham. Wrexham took the lead on 12 minutes. Elliot Lee slotting home a penalty after Ollie Palmer was brought down by Tyrell Warren in the box. Barrow equalised on 52 minutes as Emil Aqua curled in an effort into the top right corner, leaving goal goalkeeper Mark Howard with absolutely no chance. That's all Barrow rise to ninth in the table at this early stage of the season, while Wrexham are in 16th. Bradford City 1, Crew Alexander 0. Jamie Walker inflicted Crew's first defeat of the season to get Bradford City back to winning ways. Boss Mark Hughes had demanded a reaction from his side to last week's 3-0 loss at Morecambe and dropped Captain Richie Smallwood to the bench. And the Bantams responded by claiming their second home win as Walker swept home Kevin McDonald's cross just before half-time. With that though, we will listen to Bradford City boss Mark Hughes. Gaffer, back to winning ways. I guess that's the reaction that you were looking for after last Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, we were poor last last time out, and uh, we needed to address that today. I thought, uh, yeah, I thought it was a good performance. A lot of elements to it. Uh, uh, crew, a good side, uh, and I've had a good start to the season. And uh, you know that at times they'll have a little bit of possession, but uh, never really created a great deal of not. I think there was a couple of chances that Harry dealt with. Uh, reasonably comfortable. Um, I thought second half we were by far the, the better team. Obviously had the benefit of going 1-0 up uh, just before half-time and uh, second half I just think we very comfortably saw the game out. Had many chances to extend the lead. 1-0 flat as them in my view. Um, they had a shot at the end I think like Harry comfortably uh, turned around the corner but uh, apart from that just awful balls into the box that we dealt with really well. Uh, defensively I thought we were really strong. You mentioned that defensively, a first clean sheet of the season against a team that scored quite a lot of goals as well, the, the defensive effort, particularly towards the end where they were obviously looking yeah, for their yeah. I mean, that, that happens every time um, teams come here or, or even away from home. If teams behind, the, they'll throw the ball into the box at every occasion. It's not always with a great deal of quality. They're just hoping for mistakes from, from you for the most part and hope, hoping to benefit from that. But... Uh, 
we were very strong today defensively and resolute and cleared our lines when we had to and played good football when we had to. So uh, really pleased and I was pleased with what the lads produced. I thought, um, yeah, it was as performances and as results go, I thought it was quite comfortable towards the end. Jamie Walker back in, the match winner, got plenty of minutes in as well, which must be pleasing, and Kevin McDonald a full debut. Yeah, well. it was touch and go with Jamie in fairness. Um, he wanted to start, it was clear the way he was training, you, you knew that uh, he was good to go. Uh, it was just a case of how long he was going to last. Obviously, he was a little bit sore once we took him off, and uh, we'll have to see how he is for Tuesday. Clearly, a little bit of a doubt for that game, but um, yeah, we... We've got a few walking wounded, in fairness, uh, a few bumps and bruises. I think Cookie's feels like he's uh, twisted his back a little bit, so we'll have to see how he rocks up. But um, yeah, it's it's a quick turnaround, so we'll just have to see what Bobby's got left. I guess whoever you're able to put out there, it's a competition. As we saw in the first round, we want to progress and we want to do well. And, and mm-hmm. I guess the fact a victory here makes it an easier turnaround. Yeah, yeah, the momentum carries over. No, absolutely. Yeah, we're on the back of a good performance, good results, and. It's a competition we want to do well and, and progress if we can. Not an easy fixture, obviously, where Wrexham, which obviously I know very well. So, uh, um, But we're in better heart, obviously, than we would have been if we were going into a Tuesday game after uh, our performance last weekend. So, uh, yeah, we're back on track today. So um, that was the pleasing thing. Gillingham nil, Colchester United 3. It's almost as if I predicted this would happen last week. Colchester upset the form book by beating league leaders Gillingham at Priestfield. Without a prior point prior to kick-off, the basement side scored three times in 18 minutes after the break to emphatically end the Gills' run of four league victories. Goals from Kelleher to Santon Tavide and Hugh Novenian. Goodness me, that is a difficult word to say. Harrogate Town 2, Morecambe 0. Harrogate ended a run of three successive defeats with a home triumph over 10-man Morecambe. Luke Armstrong and George Thompson got the goals as the North Yorkshire side registered their first home win of the season. A sorry afternoon for the Shrimps was summed up by the misfortunes of centre-back Ferran Rawson, who conceded a first-half penalty converted by Armstrong before being yellow-carded for his protests. He was then sent off for a second bookable offence in the 66th minute after fouling James Daly, with Thompson going on to curl the subsequent free kick into Stuart Moore's top right corner. Mansfield Town 3, Stockport County 2. Davis Keeler Dunn was Mansfield's hero with a late double as they twice came from behind to beat classy Stockport. An entertaining first half saw Stockport slice down the centre with a series of passes on six minutes, with Will Collar finally delivering to Louis Barry for a low finish into the bottom left-hand corner. Nine minutes later, Stephen Quinn put the ball in front from the left and George Maris reacted quickly to guide home an equaliser. First time from eight yards. However, Stockport were again ahead on 25 minutes as unchallenged Fraser Horsfall rose at the far post to bury a header from Ibu Torre's corner across Christy Pym. Four minutes later, Davis Keeler Dunn controlled a George Williams cross but saw his effort hit the bar at from 10 yards. Just before the break, Pym ran out of his box to clear the ball but instead gifted it to Barry who, with an open goal to hit, was wide from 35 yards. Ben Hinchcliffe made two brilliant saves to deny Keeler Dunn and Maris in the 69th minute. However, Keeler Dunn saw his low 18-yard shot fire in the net via a big deflection from a 70th-minute corner. 
Nine minutes later, he collected a pass from Stephen Quinn and curled a superb 16-yard finish across Hinchcliffe and inside the far post to win it for Mansfield. MK Dons 2, Doncaster Rovers 1. MK Dons moved top of the table after holding on to claim victory over Doncaster to make it four wins out of five in the league. Daniel Harvey gave MK Dons the lead before fellow defender Warren O'Hara doubled their tally in the first half. Substitute Lee Molyneux pulled the goal back for the visitors, but Doncaster were unable to find an equaliser and have now moved to the bottom of the table. Newport County 3, Sutton United 1. Newport County rallied late to come from a goal behind to beat Sutton United 3-1 at Robney Parade. After a goalless opening 45 minutes, the visitors took the lead when former Glover Amari Patrick scored his third of the season. Newport were level when Sutton defender Joe Kizzy turned the ball into his own net with 20 minutes left to play, and seven minutes later the Exiles led for the first time as Shane McLaughlin picked out Harry Carsley to score before Will Evans sealed it late on. Notts County 2, Tranmere Rovers 1. Notts County continued their impressive start to life in League 2, but survived a late scare to beat Tranmere Rovers. Goals from David McGoldrick and Connell Rawlinson gave the hosts a deserved advantage, with Joss Hawks reducing the arrears late on. Salford City 1, Accrington Stanley 2. Sean Wally inspired Accrington to victory over Salford at the Peninsula. First half goals from Wally and Josh Andrews put Stanley in the command, before Ryan Watson's late penalty half the deficit. Wally had the first two meaningful efforts of the game. The first was blocked by Theo Vassell and the second was saved by Alex Cairns. The warning signs were there and Wally made them pay in the 24th minute when he found the bottom corner. The host struggled to get any kind of rhythm and goalkeeper Cairns had to be on hand to deny Wally and Kelvin Meller. Solvard's sloppy build-up play from the back was punished just before half-time when Andrews intercepted former Glover Liam Shepard's back pass to double Stanley's lead. Callum Hendry then rattled the bar at the other end. Accrington's Brad Hills and Josh Woods missed headed chances to kill the game. Wally then fouled Matt Smith and Salford were awarded a penalty that Watson tucked away after 88 minutes, but it was too little, too late. Walsall 1, Grimsby 1. Ryan Sturk's equaliser cancelled out Abu Issa's latest thunderbolt as Walsall and Grimsby shared the points in an entertaining draw. Isa's fourth goal in three games looked set to give the Mariners victory as he scored from 25 yards for a third straight match, but Sturk lashed home from close range late on. Walsall's Ross Tierney could have had a hat-trick inside the opening 10 minutes, but glanced many chances over and had one saved by Jake Eastwood. What was uh, The only slight disappointment from Walsall was that Chris Hussey was sent off for a second book of offence in added time. And now the big game of the event, Swindon Town 6, Crawley Town 0. Jake Young scored four second-half goals as Swindon thrashed Crawley at the county ground in something that the uh, their parent, um, Jordan Young's parent club, Bradford City, would really love right about now. Dan Kemp and Tyree Sade also struck as the Robins ran right against a Crawley side managed by former Swindon boss Scott Lindsay. A really impressive performance from Swindon there, and really the best thing about any of it might have been the post that you, uh, someone else may have seen out on social media recently, was that actually a man had bet for his 60th birthday, a Swindon Town fan no less, that they would beat Crawley 6-0. Enjoy your winning, sir. Sounds very, very good. 
So that brings us to the end of this week's EFL review. We were going to hear from Michael Flynn, but we have simply ran out of time. You can imagine what it said. Basically, I'm delighted. We scored loads of goals. I'm really impressed. I didn't expect we would do this. Jordan Young won't score anymore for the remainder of the day. And almost certainly something along those lines. But what we will hear from is all the games taking place in midweek next week. And you will hear from me again, of course, next Friday when you get all of that. Plus, looking forward to all the fixtures taking place next week as well. So, with that further, uh, with that in mind, of course, I hope you have a lovely rest of your week. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. <laughs>